This audio is presented to you by Abdul Fattah Adayami. For more lectures and counseling services, visit www.abdulfattahadayami.com. Listen, learn, and laugh as you edit your universe. My brothers and sisters in Islam, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi ta'ala wa barakatuh. Um, we are to talk about reawakening of the Ummah, navigating challenges, and fostering unity in Islam. This is a very timely topic. It's something that I wish we discuss every day. We do actually informally amongst ourselves with our friends and families when we come for programs we stand aside we talk about it we discuss it we lament sometimes we complain sometimes we wonder sometimes why are things going like this sometimes we feel so discouraged about the spate of disunity in the ummah and some of the happenings in the ummah we get worried of course we are also concerned about what is happening there's hardly any Muslim today that's not worried, that's not concerned about not only the matter of unity in Islam, many other aspects of a human endeavor where we have one issue going wrong or the other. I want to describe this phenomenon like pizza. I believe many of us have eaten it maybe recently. You know what I mean by pizza? You know, this roundish kind of bread that we have glamorized and we refer to it as pizza. You know, the pizza comes round and it's presented in a box. This pizza is usually divided this way, vertically and diagonally. And then you have X, as in the way the pizza is cut into triangles. Now you have this triangle here, triangle here. Several of them, if you count, you know, sometimes eight, sometimes 12, sometimes six triangles that you find, you know, with the pizza. It depends on how big it is sometimes. So we have different triangles. Let us look at Islam or the, the Ummah as that circle. And each of the triangles represent each aspect of the Ummah endeavor. So we have the spiritual aspect of the Ummah. We have the unity problems of the Ummah, another triangle. Another triangle may be the economical or financial instability of the Ummah. Another triangle, we have the ideological strife or what is bothering the Ummah. Another triangle, we have the educational problems of the Ummah. Another triangle, we have the technological backwardness or forwardness of the Ummah. Another triangle, we have the youth issues, youth into drug, youth into unrest, youth into all sorts of things, immorality that you can ever think about. Zohar al-Fasad, this facade, this um, iniquities have already spread all over the earth, in the seas and on land. All of these different triangles, we also have the marital or the family problems of the Ummah. So by the time you begin to look at each of these triangles, triangles that make up the whole pizza, a particular triangle is eaten halfway, another triangle doesn't have any sauce reaching it, another triangle like that is just onions and some tomatoes that is there, there's no cheese at all. Another triangle, you see that this one is even outrightly missing. And so you wonder, do we have a whole pizza as the case may be so the challenge or the issue we have now is that we don't have a whole pizza and if you order for pizza and you see that one triangle is missing another triangle is eating halfway another triangle doesn't even have anything on it another triangle is looking very funny another triangle looks as if 
some things you see on it that looks brownish is turn out to be part of the wings of of a cockroach and then you wonder see me see problem what kind of thing is this what is cockroach doing in a box of pizza so you just begin to wonder will i need to even pay for this pizza is this pizza worthy of me is it worth eating as the case may be so in other words i'm trying to say that if we look at islam or we look at the ummah like a pizza something is wrong somewhere something's wrong somewhere and this deen of islam all is saying come completely into the deen completely that's come into the deen completely without any part of it missing there's nothing like okay this is the quranic or the sharia aspect of the deen um and in this sharia well i prefer to follow this one i prefer not to follow so i don't like this part uh, this this part i'm just okay with it or this ayah is uh, okay for our group for our sect or for our denomination whatever language we want to use for it all of these are things that give us this uh, running stomach and then that is why we have uh, the challenges bedeviling the ummah one of such challenges is a matter of globalization you know it's a phenomenon and it's a process that is um, um, aspiring to transform the entire world into a single political and uh, economic system. This Ummah is not uh, existing in the vacuum. It's not as if we extricate some members of the global community, camp them in one place and say this is the Muslim Ummah. You get what I mean? We, we are not living in isolation of other things that are happening around the world. We are part of the global world, the global village. Everything technology is also affecting us. And so you find Muslims in one strata of the world, let me use that word, strata of the world or strata of the society in one form or another. You live in this part of the world, you live in that part of the world, you are from Europe, you are from Asia, you are from Africa, wherever you are from as Muslims generally, as part of humanity, we are spread all around and all across the world. And we face different unique problems. Some problems are unique to us, some problems are generic. Some of these problems are even organic. You, you see, there's no way you can avoid being involved in the community where you reside, where you live, where you survive, community where you do your ibadah. And the Prophet said, everywhere on earth is for sujood, is for salat, except the graveyard, marketplace and some other places where there's a lot of either impurity or a lot of things that may distract your attention from salat. So what I'm trying to say in essence is we are all part and parcel of globalization. And there's nothing we can do about that. So it's a challenge on its own. That it's not as if there's a separate Darul Islam to say, okay, this is the place of Muslims where you can do everything you want to do the way you want to do it as Muslims without any infiltration, without any distractions, without any misunderstandings, where everybody is going to be the same, we are going to dress the same way, we are going to appear the same way, we are going to eat the same kind of foods, we are going to live in the same kind of houses, we are going to do everything, you know, in unison, just as if we are, you know, we are making salat in congregation reality doesn't go that way even within the environment where you say okay we, are, we have muslims predominantly in this environment you still discover that we still do things differently so whilst we are being different from each other globalization is trying to find a way of bringing all of us by force together within a single political system or ideological system or economic system and so and many other ways like that globalization is blowing on all of us wanting us to adopt certain way of life wanting us to adopt kind of a certain way of thinking a certain way of looking at life and eventually there's that confusion in the minds of the muslims i'm generalizing there's that confusion in the minds of muslims generally as to okay which exactly is the islam that we want to practice 
which is the political system of Islam that we have to follow while we live in a particular region of the world, a particular part or country in the world where there's nothing like Islamic political system. How do we practice Islamic economic system within a bigger economy that is striving to subsume our own Islamic economic system into itself? So much so that a riba-based economy, that's an interest-based economy, will want to you know, subsume your own non-interest-based economy into itself so much so that before you even think you are getting your Islam right economically or financially as a matter of system, they have already infiltrated so many of the other conditionalities that may make it to be very difficult for you to pristinely practice the Islam that you know and you understand via the economic way of life. So these are happening with a lot of speed and many cultures are being subsumed. Many things are being you know, removed from the tongue of people. People are being um, educated and miseducated. People are being informed and misinformed, so much so that we have this problem. So when we talk about the challenges of the Ummah, the challenges start and stem from this globalization thing that we are talking about. I also want us to look at the, the good side of it. Number one, it has made us to know that we can always link up from wherever in the world via technology, just like we are doing now. So globalization, in a way, will make you to relate with a Muslim in other parts of the world, regardless of where you are. If you are in Africa, you can relate with Europe. If you are in Europe, you can relate with any other part of the world. So globalization is supposed to be a plus in this way of looking at it. I'm not saying it is all rosy, all rosy, all plus, but I'm saying that while we are looking at the negative side of globalization, the positive part of it is that the Ummah is more connected now than ever before. If you observe the problem that the Ummah faced with regards to Palestinian issue and the oppressors oppressing the Muslims, and non-Muslims in that part of the world, whether you look at it as a political problem or you look at it as a religious problem or you look at it as a global issue or you look at it as just pure oppression of one party over the other, you get to see that the Ummah gets to be aware of what is going on because of this same globalization we are talking about. Everywhere in the world, we are beginning to have our heartbeats synchronizing as we observe the events around the world and as we make efforts to contribute towards global peace, the globalization is of advantage to us in this regard. And thank God for this. If not for the solidarity of the Muslim Ummah and non-Muslim Ummah to unanimously fight against protest against or speak against oppression and domination, this problem will have been worse than what it is now. And Allah has used globalization as a source of dafu for some part of the Ummah. Allah says, If not that Omnitella use some people to do dafu, to repel the oppression of some people, the whole of the earth will have been destroyed by some people who are very, very oppressive. So the benefits are there. And I only want to say in the beginning like this, that the Ummah should rise up. To utilize this benefit to the advantage of the Ummah as it is. Having said that, what is this Ummah itself? The term Ummah refers to the Islamic community or the community of believers or people who live together in a particular community and they are Muslims. Or people who live in different communities but they are united in their idea or let me use the word in their ideology. Our ideological inclination towards Islam itself, regardless of where we occupy, where we live, where we reside, anywhere in the world, we form one community. And this community is called the Ummah, as we have it. I'm generalizing now, looking at the whole world, but because I believe that majority of this audience are Nigerians, we shall still come home to talk about the Ummah of Nigeria. Omnitaras one wa ta'ala described the generality of the Muslim Ummah in Quran chapter 2 verse 143. Allah says we are the wasata, the middle community, the Ummah that is balanced. I will talk a little more about this as we proceed.
and you see the oneness of the ummah if he wishes, he will have made all of you to be one single ummah. That means all of you will have done exactly the same thing. But the, regardless of the fact that you have differences amongst yourselves based on your locations, your localities, your interpretations, your understandings and your circumstances, based on the general outlook of life that you have, Almighty Allah says you are the middle community, ummatan wasatan. So you see, Allah recognizes that we may have diversities amongst ourselves, but Allah also recognizes that we are to be united in being the middle course community. Whichever aspect of Islam or ideological framework of Islam you slant towards, you are still expected to be balanced as a community. Subhanallah. Allah also says in Quran chapter 2 verse 128 that we are a community that is submissive to Almighty Allah. And Allah says in Quran chapter 3 verse 110, You are the best community ever evolved for mankind or ever brought up for humanity. And for many reasons, because you command what is good and you forbid what is evil and you believe in Allah. The challenges, yes. First of them is this cultural impoverishment. Culturally, we have not been able to uphold some of the salient cultures of Islam. What do we mean by culture of Islam? This is not exactly the same thing as to say the culture of the Arabs or something you can refer to as the Orf, the customs of the Arab or the cultures of the Arab. Islam is a global religion. It is not appropriate for us to want to sectionize Islam towards a particular race or a particular group of people or a particular language particularly in such a way that we now, let me use the word again, particularize Islam as if it belongs to only a particular group of people. Take for instance, we are not, it's not nice for us to begin to Arabize Islam or to think that Islam is only a way of life of the Arabs. The Prophet ﷺ was sent with Lisan and Arabia. The Quran was revealed with Lisan and Arabia with the tongue of the Arab. And that's how it, was, it has been recited to us. But apart from that, that is it. The Quran and the Sunnah of the Prophet and the language of the Prophet are very dear and very important to us. But that is not to say that you can only be a, a better Muslim when you are an Arab, so to speak. So we may not wish to Arabize Islam. We may wish to understand that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that yeah, you are nas. Oh, you mankind, we have created you into males and females. We have made you into nations and tribes. So that you can recognize each other. So you can know each other. But, The noblest of you in the sight of Allah is the one that is most God conscious. The noblest of you in the sight of Allah is the one that is conscious of Almighty Allah more than any other person. If our watchword is that taqwa, is that God consciousness, then these challenges of one culture looking down on another culture or one culture claiming superiority over other cultures will not be there. And this by extension will go into matters of race. This by extension will go into matters of tribalism, just like we have it in some, you know, in some countries. In Nigeria, for instance, we still have this issue of tribalism amongst us, where a section of Nigerian community will believe that they know and they can practice Islam and they understand Islam better than some other communities, better than some other cultures because of differences in their language and what have you. This, if the Ummah of Nigeria, for instance, can find a way to put this behind themselves, if the Ummah can find a way of, um, you know, looking at each other more in view of the taqwa that we all strive to develop, it is possible that this will not be a big problem for us again. So, like I said, again and again, it is a very big issue. We may think uh, it is not too difficult, but we get to realize that when it comes to political problems in Nigeria, Nigerians have found their ways in bringing tribalism into it. When it comes to even economic issues in Nigeria, Nigerians have been able to bring tribalism 
into some of these things and uh, unfortunately too we have drafted or dragged islam into this mud of being tribalistic of looking down on some people of thinking that some people are better at practicing islam than some other persons uh, we'll look more into this matter when we are talking about the solutions generally but number one the cultural impoverishment that i refer to is we have not been able to fathom a way of islam for ourselves so much so that rather than bring ourselves into islam we want islam to suit ourselves rather than practice islam as supposed to be practiced we want islam to understand that this is how far we can go which of course is bringing a lot of disunity into the ummah and it has led the ummah into cultural lethargy that is we, are, we don't have the zest we don't have that that verve we don't have that energy to actually uphold the tenets of islam and make it reflect in every part of our life so much so that our cultures are going to be found within islam and we're going to find islam within our cultures and maintain a balance in our worldview so another problem we have is educational and technological backwardness forgive me for saying this because i don't have all the data of the muslims who have invented things who have you know gone very far in technological advancement but i understand very well that as far as education is concerned in this part of the world in nigeria here for instance we have a kind of educational system that doesn't really care about um, our religiosity that doesn't really bother about our closeness to almighty allah we have an educational system that stems from what was passed down by the greeks and the romans from the likes of plato aristotle and socrates those are the combinations of what we refer to as western education now and that is what is predominant in this part of the world so in the annals of western education there are certain aspect that if you look at it through and through they tend towards atheism they tend towards disbelief in almighty allah they tend towards telling people to jettison their religiosity and embrace what they refer to as modern day westernization i don't have a lot of problem with westernization or the western education but what i have problem with is a situation where we allow it to consume us to the extent that we don't remember our morality so much so that we don't remember our culture as Muslims. We don't remember our Sharia as Muslims. We don't want to practice the Islam the way we are supposed to practice it because of certain things that the Western education must have implanted in our heads. The system of education here in this part of the world is meant to develop the capacity of people to be able to work, not necessarily to develop the capacity of people to be able to think. So you are virtually taught and told the things you should think about, how you should think about what you think about, and whatever comes out of your thought and your thinking process is eventually inimical to the pristine preaching of Islam and purity of Islam as we have it. So I want us to understand that that is a challenge in the head of an average Muslim that has gone through Western education. If care is not taken, see I'm generalizing, if care is not taken, many people because of this system of education have lost completely everything about Islamic education. A person will go to school for 18 years and above, but by the time he finishes school, quote and unquote, if it can ever be finished, by the time the person graduates, there's no way in the curriculum that has related his knowledge or her knowledge to what Allah is saying or to the way of living a life of morality or a life that is tailored around the Sharia of Almighty Allah. That is a sense of what I'm trying to, to make. I hope you are tracking me. Then technologically, technological advancement, I want you to observe the Muslim community. This one really concerns me a lot. You have to, I need you to observe that the Muslim community is just very small fraction of the Ummah that is making good use of the technological advancement that is going on globally now. I can speak for this country, Nigeria, that I want us to think very deeply and observe, are there some technological, technological advancement that we can record and we mention the name of a Muslim in Nigeria as of today. 
what have we really invented with all of our knowledges? Permit me to use that plural again. With all of our knowledges that we have, what have we invented? What have we contributed? What are we working on to say, okay, by the year so, 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 and so, um, a particular project that is um, carried out or, or scientific discovery that is unveiled will be, you know, will become useful for Nigerian community, for Nigerian nation. And we now look at it, we say, yes, that must have been done by a Muslim. I'm generalizing. It's not that some Muslims are not trying their best, but you see, when we talk about percentage, when we talk about the ratio, you get to see that we still have a very long way to go. Forgive me to say that we have a lot of learned people who have understood or memorized the Quran in so many ways, but we have not been able to know how to convert this knowledge to something that will really bring bigger uh, benefits to humanity via progress spiritually and progress materially. Another challenge that we may have is this economic issue that we have. Of course, you get to see that we are Muslims are still looking for a job, just like other people from other religions. You know, if we have not been able to use our religion to create a vibrant economic system for ourselves, knowing fully well that we have everything it takes in the Sharia to operate an Islamic economic and financial system, knowing fully well that we have been encouraged in the Sharia, uh, in the pillars of Islam, to also give zakat. Zakat is one of the pillars of Islam. Knowing fully well that Allah has given us the opportunities and the knowledge and the guidance from the Prophet to see how we can progress the course of humanity through our hard work, through our smart work, through our contributions economically. If we have not been able to do anything about this, then it's a very big challenge, I tell you. A lady in hijab or in khimar or in niqab cannot just get up one day and say she wants to work and then we have the kind of job that can suit her lifestyle as a Muslim woman. I told you I'm generalizing. Some individuals, some Muslims and conglomerates have been able to create some room for the ladies to do this. But I observe that majority of where you find this are in schools, Islamic schools, where these ladies can at least work to earn a living. This is just one single aspect of it. In other strata of Nigerian economy, how many Muslims can we find there? What is happening to our economy? What is happening to the general welfareism? The media, that don't even go there at all. That is, let me just say, one over ten for us about that one. Thank God for people like iMedia and some other media houses that are trying to revamp the Ummah when it comes to this matter of our digital emasculation that we are going through. May Allah forgive us and set us free in all of this. So, I need you to look at this thing more seriously than I'm saying it to. It's just that I can't be crying for you now. But I want you to see what happens on social media sometimes. Some people will need help. A particular person needs to do surgery. A particular Muslim has some debt issue. A particular person needs some finance for education. A particular person wants to go into business, but they need facilities to do that. We don't even have guarantors that can go to places like Jai's, Lotus, or Taj Bank and say, look, this um, group of people, this group of Muslims, they need this facility to pursue this project. And we, as the big umbrella body, which, uh, of course, we all know, and we are standing for this person to access this facility. Banks will not just give you their money now. If you want to swear with the crowd, you say, well, light, I'm going to return this money. They will not listen to you. They want to do things, you know, follow the due process. While following due process, you cannot go to a bank and say, please, give me facility for us to do musharaka. Let's do this business together so that we can share profit. We don't have the economic strength as an ummah to be able to finance such things or to be able to stand in for such people or to be able to provide the facilities that the banks will require before an individual or a group of Muslims can access the kind of loans or the kind of business model with which they can improve their economic situation. This is the grammar that I'm speaking. If I'm wrong, may Allah forgive me, but so far I've not seen, honestly, I've not found. All we do is, you know, we want to build masjid, we want to build Islamic centers, we want to build things, and we like start looking for Muslims, almost begging 
Muslims to come and donate. It's not that some people don't want to donate, but this model of looking for fund, this model of looking for donation is not helping this Ummah at all because you can only ask for people to donate if you had any impact on their economic situation. If you had any particular positive input into their financial life, it is then you have the the moral requisite, you have the moral justification to come ask somebody to bring zakat. How many Muslims, Fisabilillah, how many Muslims today are able to or can afford to pay their zakat? If it happens that we, those who cannot pay zakat are in the majority, then the ummah is in big challenge. This is what I'm trying to say. I want all of us to look critically at all of these things. Not many Muslims can point to big Islamic organizations or big Muslim umbrellas that have empowered them in any way or the other for the past so many years. Rather, the Ummah enjoys pushing everybody to go to the government, pushing everybody to go look for money anyhow they can before they can take care of their financial needs. This is not appropriate. When we are an ummah, we are supposed to be complete as an ummah. Let the ummah learn to take care of its members. If this can be done, then this debilitating challenges that is crushing the ummah economically will not, will not be part of our problems. Economic issues, financial problems should not be part of our narratives as an ummah. So when we say we are facing challenges, this is one of the biggest of the challenges that we are facing. The Muslims are not lazy. The Muslims are not weak. Any Muslim or group of Muslims that will wake up 5 a.m. because they want to make subway prayer. Muslims that are disciplined to pray five times a day at stipulated time. Muslims that are disciplined that when Ramadan comes, they fast throughout the month of Ramadan. Muslims that are disciplined to be able to do some things, carry out some injunctions of Almighty Allah, these same Muslims are going to be disciplined enough to work if they find the finance, and they find the means, and they find the encouragement, and they find the enabling environment. If they find an ummah that is so well organized that even when they give you facility, they will follow through and ensure that you use it judiciously, you will see that this ummah will transform into things that we never can imagine. We will not need to ask people to come and donate. People will be asking, excuse me, what next do we want to do so that I can donate from the favors, from the blessings that Allah has done for me. I want our leaders to look into this matter. I'm talking about Muslim leaders to look into this matter and do something about it. May Allah make it easy for us. It's just very few organizations when the non-Muslim comes into Islam, these non-Muslims are usually stranded. You know, they don't even know what to do. The same Muslims you are coming to meet that um, you left all your property and everything. You are doing hijrah to come into Islam. Even they too, they have not eaten breakfast. And then you come in and say, look, you people have to feed me. Alhamdulillah, like MPD and some other organizations like that, they are very excellent in looking after the welfare of some of these new Muslims. But how many can they do? If we have other organizations that are also interested in economic empowerment and they continue doing the way they are doing it, possibly things are going to be better in the nearest future. Forgive me for overflowing that aspect, but you know, I gotta say what I gotta say. Then another challenge we have is our internal strife. Hmm. Like they say, this one, Tyra Powell, the Ummah, as we have it now, we have this internal thing within ourselves. We are still striving for dominion. We are still striving for domination of idea. We are still striving for superiority of opinion. We are still striving and we are still quarreling and we are still fighting amongst ourselves. The one, the one that pains me most, let me use Nigerian uh, expression, the one that pains me most is when our scholars, quote and unquote, when they begin to use the social media to openly attack each other, to openly criticize one another. One sheikh wants to trend, another ustaz wants to be well known, another imam wants to have followers on YouTube, another, you know, scholar some, somewhere, you know, he, he wants to show off his knowledge on the social media. 
to the extent that if you want to get more followerships now, I want you to observe this happening everywhere in the north, in the south, especially the southwest, that I recently saw some of the things their, their Muslim leaders are doing, their scholars are doing. This one will say, yes, that one that came out on TikTok yesterday is very stupid for what he said. Another one will come the other day and say, yes, let me give him the reply. I'm going to reply you on TikTok and on, uh, on Instagram. Another one will now come out on YouTube to condemn the two of them. And then they'll say another bigger one that will have live program on Facebook. And you begin to mention these people's names one by one, be castigating them, be abusing them, be accusing them, calling them all sorts of names. In fact, to the extent that some are even beginning to do takfir on each other. So the Ummah is now busy looking at the comments, making comments on what this scholar said about that scholar, what this alim said about that other one, what this person said this person is ignorant about, and why that other person said the other person is stupid. And then they begin to look for proofs to justify their position, even when this is not a business of the Ummah. This doesn't concern us at all. You see them, they, they now begin to gather followership, subhanAllah. They begin to look for subscribers. Uh, well, now that you see that I've told you that so 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 Sheikh is a stupid idiot, I want you to continue to follow me on on on, on this my uh, on this my handle, and I want you to subscribe for you to watch out tomorrow and see what I'm going to say about Sheikh so so and so. This is what some segment of the Ummah has degenerated into. You almost shed tears when you see some of these uh, clowns come up on social media and they begin to openly. You know that not only Muslims are viewing you, non-Muslims are also looking at what you are saying, looking at what you are doing. You go around, parade yourself, you know, have some religious couture. You know what I mean? You dress like a religious person, you hold the mic, you call the media and then you gather the crowd. What are you talking about? You are talking about, about another person, about another scholar, about what some other person said that makes the person, oh, subhanAllah, ya salam, ya salam. Oh, Allah, please forgive us. We are going so far off as an ummah. I pray that we should not continue this way. So this internal strife makes us to criticize each other on trivial issues. We are also being obsessed with technicalities of the deen. A, a person will observe salat and then you'll be like, uh, you see, uh, no, that, that person, the prayer he led, Allah is not going to accept it. They say, why? He will say, I observed 27 faults, 27 mistakes that he made while leading the tarawih. And they'll be like, excuse me, where, what were you doing when he was leading tarawih? Were you observing him or you were making tarawih? And he will count one, two, three, four. When he did the takbirat to Ihram, he didn't raise his hand high enough. When he was reading the Fatiha, he didn't uh, raise his voice. And when he was reading another surah, he made six mistakes in his tajweed. Ahuzubillah. This is, is this what the Ummah is all about? This is our internal strife. This one is this sect. This one is this group. This one is that group. Uh, these ones will go to hellfire. These ones have leadership that will lead them to hellfire. These ones are abusing also because of that, they are cursed. All of these things are big challenges for the Ummah. Why don't we wake up for once? This reawakening we are talking about, understand very well that Shaitan, Shaitan is the one that is putting this dissension into your heart. Some non-Muslims even come into your midst. They disguise and come into the masjid and they begin to argue over things that do not benefit the Ummah in any way. Beware. Our Muslim scholars and sheikhs and our ustas, our alims, our du'at, beware. The ones that are guilty of this, things I'm saying, are very small. They are very few, you know, compared to the larger number of the, uh, you know, of the ummah, larger number of the scholars we have. I want you to please our scholars, call these people to order. Let, let our learned ones, let them call some of these imams to order. Let them call some of these du'at to order. Some of these social media influencers, let them call them to order. One came up on social media the other time, we thought he wanted to preach, but he was singing the songs of um, of a dunya kind of uh, music. He, he was, you know, he was trying to show people that, yes, it's, it's a happening imam, you know, yes, I also know what is going on. Yes, how much are we going to follow 
the people that are not doing the right thing in order for us to call people to our deen? How much more are we going to do what they do? How much are we going to keep adopting their methods? Methods of show off, methods of ostentation, methods of frivolity, methods of um, triviality, methods of um, addressing issues that are of no benefit to anybody just because we won't follow us on, on our social media handles. May Allah save us from all of this. So I summarize this to mean the internal strife, internal problem between us castigating each other i lived in a community at a point in my life where the muslims of that community they had two different abattoirs they don't eat each other's meat because this one believes that those ones are they are reeling and reeking in bidah in innovation so because of that we're not even going to touch their meat and this one said okay you are the one who think you understand the sunnah better hold on to your abattoir will not eat your meat will not buy meat from you and will not have anything to do with you Astaghfirullah, and unfortunately, I witnessed a situation where we were to pray, make some salat in congregation. Some guys just stood back; they didn't join the congregation until after the Imam terminated the salat. Then they now made their own ikama and did their own jamui within one single masjid, brothers and sisters in Islam. Are we have we gone so bad like that? Astaghfirullah, Astaghfirullah. So we have all of these internal strife coupled with ideological battles that we are fighting each other with. These are big challenges for the Ummah. Things that are very, very important to us. Matters that should unite us in, in terms of looking for a way out. We have ignored them, we have neglected them, and we have abandoned them. We have social issues amongst us as muslims we have problems with families amongst us as muslims we have political problems where we can't even be boastful we cannot even nominate a muslim that we can trust to say you go represent us in this political um, arena and you bring returns to the ummah in terms of benefit that and justice that we want you to want you to display for the whole world to see unfortunately even when you rally around and support some people in that regard, they just turn around and you can't see them anymore. You can't even find them anymore. They don't even come to the masjid again. And, you know, they like use the ummah and dump the ummah, so to speak. So I'm trying to say that these battles that we have amongst ourselves, we should put them to an end and let it be that we come together as one single ummah to be able to foster the goodness that we want to have for one another. As matters of ideology is concerned, Islam is one, and we should all understand that we are Ummatan Wahidatan. We are just one single Ummah. We may have differences amongst ourselves, but let us understand that the issues we have should unite us together. We have the moral issues in this Ummah, some people call themselves the hijabi muslim homosexuals among the same ummah men wearing hijab and they say they are homosexuals they're supposed to be men but they wear hijab like muslim ladies some of them even wear niqab like muslim ladies those ones are see them moving around and the ummah will keep quiet as if it's not happening, as if it doesn't concern us. We can be very pretensive, my brothers and sisters. May Allah forgive us all of these things. We have issues of the young people going into drugs by the day. In the next 10 years, majority of these young people that we see all around, they are going to be in rehab centers, if at all they are able to be useful for themselves. The ummah is supposed to address these kind of things. Muslim marriages are breaking up every day based on what? So many things. Immorality. Somebody who leads prayer is also astaghfirullah, is also guilty, is also into pornography. Somebody who led Tarawih some time ago, forgive me for saying all of these things, I'm just being so you know, passionate about this. It's, it's something that has been, I've been feeling it here for a very long time. I just want to empty my chest. Somebody was leading Tarawih. You know, after Isha, then we do Tarawih. After Isha, he moved towards one side, inside, you know, this inner room that the Imams normally stay, and he was smoking weed. And when he was seen, and I called, Ustaz, what are you doing? He said, ah, 
Do you think I'll just litter away for a long time like that without getting tired? You think it's just ordinary? And then he was smoking weed and <sighs> Bismillah, let's go start Tarawi. And this guy, if he started Tarawi, if you don't stop him, he will do Tarawi till 11 o'clock in the night. Or you have to tap him and say it's okay, it's enough. What kind of thing is this? These are some of the problems that we have. We are supposed to address internally amongst ourselves instead of pretending as if all is well and to make it worse. We are castigating each other's, uh, okay, this one is a person of this sect, so is that a person of that sect. We've got more serious problems. You will get to see a lot of that when it comes to matters of the M in Islam. You know, M, you know, marriage in Islam. When we talk about polygamy or no polygamy, is then you see that Muslims have so many variant beliefs amongst themselves when it comes to matters of m moon sighting either for fasting or anything that you see that muslims will always have problems among themselves when it comes to matters of m and what is that Mauluna B. then you see the muslims will start running helter skelter looking for who to castigate who to abuse who to accuse this is how how can we continue like this as an ummah may allah forgive us one last challenge I want to mention before we talk about the solution so that you can have your lives back is the dominion of the hegemonic world powers. Don't forget that we don't operate in a vacuum as an ummah. We don't exist in a vacuum. There are some other dominant powers that are. We have a lot more of political systems that are trying to stifle the Muslims and the growth of the ummah. We have some other powers that see Islam as threat to themselves. We have some other economy. We have some other politics. We have some other sociocultural groups of people that see Islam as a threat to their own growth. Some of them believe that if you allow these Muslims to grow and they don't drink alcohol and they don't smoke and they don't womanize and their women dress well and they don't do immorality then they are going to lose economically they are going to lose politically they are going to lose in many ways these people will ensure that even if you had wanted to be united they will thwart your efforts to to be united don't fall asleep brothers and sisters let us wake up and understand very well islam has got enemies and islam is under siege the muslims are under siege of these other powers that are ensuring or finding their ways to ensure that they destroy the family unit for example they destroy your akida they remove the quran from your head and put music inside instead there are some powers that be that they know that the stronger your iman the weaker they become there are some strong powers that are that will ensure that you don't take this Islam serious. You, you have to take this Islam, this Quran as a, as a play. If you don't believe what I'm trying to say, I need you to randomly gather Muslims and ask them some questions about Islam. Very easy and simple questions about Islam. We don't know. We can't answer. Sometimes we feel that, well, it's not necessary for us to know because some people are making effort every day to condemn our effort in seeking this knowledge. They are trying their best every day to ensure that they have cultural supremacy over the cultures of the Ummah. I mean, I'm talking about general Islamic culture of respect, of honor, of justice, of fairness, of kindness towards humanity, of being selfless or being communal in your outlook on life. There are some powers that are ensuring that they thwart all these efforts and they are ensuring that they succeed in that regard. Shouldn't we wake up and understand that we actually have real enemies that we must all work together unify our efforts to fight against may Allah make this to be easy for us now let me quickly mention some of the suggestions in furtherance to the way out that i've been mentioning in the passing of some of the things i've been talking about as a way out i want to encourage us to resort to the pure teachings of islam and to understand the quran very very well and when I say understand the Quran very well, we have to make Quran to be our book of guidance. And then we follow the Sunnah of the Prophet to give us the proper direction and the proper orientation about how to navigate our path through Islam. I will give you one example of just one verse in the Quran. Just one verse of the Quran. We all know this verse because we recite, we mention this verse not less than 17 times every day. And this verse is in Surah Al-Fatihat. What does this verse say? I will read it from beginning. 
Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Alhamdulillah rabbil alamin. Ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Malik yawmidin. And wait for it, this is the verse. Iyaka na'budu wa iyaka nasta'in. That's the verse I'm looking for. What does it mean? Iyaka na'budu, you alone do we worship. Wa iyaka nasta'in, and from you we seek help. Who are we talking about? We are talking about Allah. We are telling Allah that it is you, Allah alone, we worship. And from you, we are seeking help. This, in my own very small opinion and understanding, because of course I want to make this point. Iyaka na'abudu is one side, wa iyaka nasta'in is another side. Ibadah, iyaka na'abudu means Everything about ibadah is coming in this form and we seek it from Almighty Allah. And we are telling Allah and we are promising him and we are, you know, professing and confessing that he is the only one that we are going to be worshipping in everything that we do. Then why iyaqan astain? And from you we seek help. Majority of us in this ummah, we only focus on this side of ibadah. One thing is the ibadah, another thing is the isti'ana. We understand ibadah to the little extent to which we understand it, but isti'ana, we either don't understand it or we are not bothered to learn about it. And that is why on the social media, many of the postings you see will be about, okay, how to complete the five daily prayers, how to have a very nice, you know, very, very nice rakat, you know, how to ruku perfectly, um, you know, also reminding us to fast uh, Mondays and Thursdays. These are very excellent. They are very nice. They are very good. But that is not all about Islam. Where are the scholars that are going to explain to us and teach us how to seek help from Almighty Allah? We have sheikhs of fikir. We have scholars of ibadah. They teach us, they tell us, they explain to us, we argue over it, we even fight over it, we even do takfir on each other on matters of ibadah. And on the social media also, you see postings about, hey, be careful, you are very close to your grave. Hey, be careful, you may die tomorrow. Be careful, you are going to... We get so cynical because we are, we are taking these to the extremes. There's no need to go into extremes on one side and totally neglecting the other side. And when was the last time you see scholars come out, you know, you see Imam do khutbah and tell you about isti'ana. This is how to seek help from Almighty Allah. This is what to do to get your, to, to get your needs met. This is what to do to have your school fees paid. This is what to do to be able to fend for your family. This is the place of work. This is the place of job. These are the businesses that you can do. These are the things that are trending. These are the, these are the things you can do to get aruziki from Almighty Allah. Remember, Allah says, Fayda kudiyati salat, fanta shiru fil When you are done with your salat, spread on earth and seek Allah's favor. Seeking Allah's favor is that isti'ana. We are seeking isti'ana. We are saying iyaka nasta'in to Almighty Allah. Allah will have said iyaka na'budu wa nasta'in. But Allah says iyaka na'budu wa iyaka nasta'in. It's possibly for an emphasis. We worship only you and we seek your help. This iyaka is mentioned twice for us to understand very well that it's not all about ibadah, ibadah, ibadah in the masjid going on umrah and going on hajj. Isti'ana, how do you earn halal? So much so that you are not going to ruin your ibadah by going to haram. What are the business opportunities? What are the you know available business ventures? What are the ways through which you can invest your earnings? What are the ways through which you can get a halal way? Um, I mean, so some halal sources of income for your families so that you don't eat what is haram, so that your ibadah is not going to be rejected by Allah. I want us to understand that this is one of the ways out. Let us begin to have thinkers in the deen, thinkers that will think for us and say, look, when you are facing this situation, this is what you should do as a way out for you to feed and eat what is good. People will come to the masjid and the imam will tell them to fear Allah. Yes, it's good to tell people to fear Allah, but my problem is if they didn't fear Allah, they won't come to the masjid. They fear Allah already. That's why they are here.
The ones that you should tell to fear Allah are outside. They don't even come to the masjid. They don't even make salat. And these same ones that took their time to come, you are not telling them as a way of balance. That look, as you have come to the masjid now, Fanta Shirufil ad spread on earth and seek Allah's favor. But this is how to go about it. This is how to go about it and you are going to be sure that by the time you go home to meet your family, by Maghrib time, you already have halal that you are going to feed your family with. Some people will come to the masjid hungry, and how much more of the sharia can a hungry person keep? How much more of keeping you from haram can you tell a hungry man about what to do? This man ran away from home. It's not that he wanted to stay between Maghrib and Isha. He's just dodging being at home because he doesn't even know what his family will eat. But when the Imam is doing ta'alim between Maghrib and Ishai, he is busy telling her about one sahaba in the time of the Prophet, what he did, what he ate. He won't tell them how someone like Abraham Abun Auf became a successful businessman. But you'll be telling them only about how a particular sahaba will do tahajul all through the night. Excuse me, I'm not saying it is bad, but I'm saying that we have to combine these two, iyaka na'budu wa iyaka nasta'in. Another way out is the unity of the Ummah. We are all united on the five pillars of Islam. Hold on all of you to the rope of Allah. Don't be disunited amongst yourselves. And when we talk about this uh, unity, you see that we are going to become stronger if you are united. I'm talking about even Nigeria as example. We become stronger. We will gain more respect from other people in this nation. We'll be able to tackle all the problems facing us today. Problems of unemployment, social problems, you know, moral issues amongst the Ummah, environmental degradation, so much so that we begin to show concern for humanity as uh, entrenched in our religion. And we'll be able to embrace all the challenges in the future, challenges to come ahead. Anybody is sick, there should be a Beitul Mal where we can take something from and take care of people's emergencies. It is only when we are united that we can actually do this. You look at it very well in the Ummah of Nigeria. You will say those who are working, you know, working class people in the Ummah, let us, um, let us all contribute uh, 11K, for instance, at the end of the month. 1,000 Naira. It doesn't matter if your salary is 30K or 100K or 500K. Everybody... 11k at the end of uh, you know at the end of the month if we do this for two or three months i believe strongly i don't have um, the accurate statistics or figure but i believe strongly that we are going to solve 50 percent of financial problems in this umma take that from me we are just plenty plentious but what do we do as benefits to the ummah as people that are united to unanimously solve their problems if the unan if, if the conglomeration if the congregation of the muslim ummah in the whole of this country stand up today and say no to corruption no single individual will ever steal government money again if we are not united We'll just be there lamenting, you know. Uh, we'll finish salat. We we'll sit down in the front of the mosque, or we we'll stand uh, stand at the front of the mosque. We we'll talk, 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 lament and complain. And then where's the unity? Let us try so that we can solve not only the problem of today, but also the problem of the future. Another way out is that we should embrace our diversity. Each of us we have our differences. We are not all the same. People's temperaments are not the same. People's understandings are not the same. People's inclinations are not the same. People's talents are not the same. People's gifts are not the same. Let us embrace these differences and put it all together so that it can benefit us in this ummah. Some of us are, you know, left-brained. Some of us are right-brained. Some of us, we like doing uh, nine-to-five jobs. Some of us, we are into businesses. Some of us, we are into farming. Some of us are academics. All of these are some of the things we should harness and begin to make good use of it. Apart from that, our temperaments are not the same. Our cultures are not the same. But we should understand that we are all stars in the constellation of, uh, of heavenly bodies. We should be shining each of us in the skies. Not for us to be complaining and to be fighting against each other. Our diversities are supposed to be blessings for us. And then I want to talk about the knowledge. We need knowledge. And what is the knowledge that we need? We need balanced information. And I want to quickly call our attention to something that Almighty Allah has put in place. Allah always mentioned balance. Ummatan wasatun. You are the balanced ummah. 
And do you know that our ears, these ears that we have, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has um, put one here and one there. I believe many of us, majority of us, will have a pair of ears, one here and one there. And as Allah has put it in place, there's something, there's a liquid inside this, our ears that determine whether we stand balanced or not. The balance of who we are, the balance that we achieve when we stand straight. When Allah says we are Ummatan Wasatan, Allah says we are the Ummah that stands straight and we are an Ummah that is balanced. Call Iman Christi, an Ummah that stands with justice and fairness and balance. Allah also says, Allah says, establish the, the balance with justice and don't topple the balance. And Allah also says in another verse of the Quran that don't bring mischief on earth after Allah has set everything in order. And Allah also says, Alladhi khalaqo fasawwa, walladhi qoddaro fahada, walladhi akhraj al-mar'a. Part of those verses is saying Allah is one who has created things in proportion and has set everything in order and in harmony. This balance we are talking about, just like Allah has put one liquid inside our ears, if this liquid shift to this side or shift to that side, you see instead of walking straight, we'll be bending to one side, we'll slant to one side, or we might even fall. This is analogous to what we actually hear with the ears. If we hear what is wrong, our opinions about life will not be balanced. If we hear things that are not true, our perceptions of life will not be balanced. If we hear information that are misleading, our behaviors and our actions will not be balanced. What we hear with regards to the knowledge that we attain to is so important that it decides and determines whether we are upright or whether we are bending to one side our inclination towards one side or tilting towards one side or adopting one segment of the quran or accepting one sect in islam or saying that this group is the one that is saved this group is the one that will be destroyed this is imbalance in our ears based on what we have heard with our ears if we have been told what is wrong it is high time as an ummah to begin to undo some of these things that are clogging into our ears and not allowing us to hear the truth of Allah's words. The Quran is what will give us this balance. Don't just read one aspect of the Quran. The Quran says, attack will not be bad, attack will not be bad. Just like the people who are not Muslims did. Will you believe in one part of the Quran and disbelieve in another part? When the Quran is talking about things, you say, yes, I accept that one. But when the Quran is beginning to hammer on, on you, that you stop. All of these things you are doing, you should stop being a bad husband, you should stop committing zina, you stop cheating on your wife, you should stop doing what is wrong. When the Quran says you should stop seeking haram, you should stop doing takfir on people, you should embrace each other, you only listen to the part that favors you. Just like jokingly, someone told me the other time that Ustad, you see brothers, uh, they prefer to listen to the part that talks about polygamy, they don't want to listen to the part that talks about justice and fairness, I said shame on them. So, in, in, in summary, our views and our interpretations and our actions are affected by in the information that we get. This is an age of information. This is an age of technology. Be very careful. Let us see what we receive and go straight into the Quran and Sunnah itself. Let us Let us all take towards the path of goodness let us do istibak let us do competition in goodness you do your goodness you make your contributions you bring to the ummah you contribute to the ummah you bring something to the table this is what we should be striving to outdo each other about if we are going to overcome these challenges that are bedeviling us as an ummah i believe strongly that if we try to practice some of these things I've been saying as passionately as I can do it. I wish I can explain myself better than this to you. But I do hope that you've been able to you know, have a hint on some of the challenges that we have. And you have been able to see that as an Ummah, 
we have a lot that we need to do, a lot that we need to achieve. And I want you to understand that we cannot be united just like that without appropriate information, without correct knowledge about the deen, without looking for the right sources for our information in order to practice this deen in the way we are supposed to practice it. And this brings us back to the pizza we talked about. Islam is like the pizza. The ummah is like the pizza. We got these triangles. We can be different. We can look, you know, we can look different, but we are all in the same box. Recognize the fact that we are all in the same box. It is each triangle coming together that forms a whole pizza. Everybody is important. Everybody is invited. Everybody's opinion is, in, is, is important. Everybody's suggestion, everybody's contribution towards the deen is recognized and it is important. When it is time to do donation, the ones that donate big and small, the taqwa, the God consciousness with which we relate with each other, not to judge each other, not to you know castigate one another, not to point accusing figures on each other, not to look down on anyone. These are the spirits of the Sharia itself. So if you're a Muslim and you follow the Sharia and the path of the Prophet وسلم, and the Millata Ibrahim, you will understand that Ibrahim was Hanif, somebody who was pure, who was honest, who was, you know, who was upright, and somebody who understood the importance of the Ummah. Because even Ibrahim himself, Allah called him a one-man Ummah. One man, Anabi Ibrahim was an ummah on his own because he encapsulates all of these things we have been talking about and this has been practiced by the prophet muhammad so look at the quran and follow the prophet and all of us we can be united on that and then we don't do only iyak and abudu we also do what iyak and sta'in assalamu alaikum my name is abdul fatah Adeyemi. This audio is presented to you by Abdul Fattah Adeyemi. For more lectures and counseling services, visit www.abdulfattahadeyemi.com. Listen, learn, and laugh as you edit your universe.